is the NT Country Hour on ABC Radio Darwin and the Northern Territory. G'day there, my name is Matt Brand. Welcome to the program. It has been a wet week across the top end. Rivers are up, roads are closed, and some people are stuck, as you'll hear in a moment. There has been a partial train derailment to the south of Tennant Creek. I'll bring you the latest information on that before 1.30. And the community of Adelaide River making national news today for its war against the boar. By the time you get your gun out and your spotties and everything, they're gone. And they don't wait for you. They're gone. And they'll run down the fence line, cross the paddock, back into the river where you can't get them. This and plenty more coming up on today's Country Hour. <laughs> We're broadcasting across the territory on the ABC. And g'day there if you are tuning in via the podcast. Have a listen to this. That is the sound of the Catherine River flowing under the old railway bridge as we go to air this afternoon. It's still sitting at around 14 metres. There's quite a few roads closed in the region, including a Munglin Road near Catherine. John and Stephanie Armstrong, they live out on that road and they also run the helicopter company AgriMuster. Max Rowley caught up with them as they were heading back across the river by boat after doing a school run. We think it'll be under for a few days yet to come. So this is the uh, coming back from the school run, dropping the kids at school. And then we do it all again at 2.30. <laughs> yeah, right. Is this the first time this year that the bridge has gone under? Yeah, it is, yeah. We've been... Uh, it's been a very low year for the Catherine River. Before this lot of rain, it's only come up to about 7 metres this year, so it's um, yeah, quite surprising for this, this much rain we've had for it not to have come up before then. You've lived in the area for a number of years. Uh, this wouldn't be new to you, I guess? Uh, no, not at all. No, and, and it's a lot less often that it happens nowadays. That the, um, we've got the new bridge built last year, it was finished, and that's, uh, that's changed our lives much, much, much easier for us now. It's only when the riv- river gets above 12 metres that we have to start thinking about boating. And you've just been into town. Um, what's the mood like with all this rain around? Uh, it's pretty good, actually, because we all were a bit worried the river wasn't going to get a proper a flush out because we, we had had, uh, before this sort of rain, I think we were up around 800 mil for the season. And the, like I said, the river hadn't come above 7 metres, so this is a bit, bit, of, bit of confidence for the community in general. Last year we had a really good wet season to the end of January and it just stopped. And, uh, and the flow-on effect of that to the, the cattle industry and the cropping industry up here is, um, was pretty devastating. So, so this is, um, it's shaping up to be a much better season, which, which makes everyone a lot happier. Certainly sounds like you don't mind a bit of a longer commute for all this rain. Oh yeah, we'll take the rain any day. We, um, we have AgriMuster, so we are a helicopter business that sort of does a lot of spraying and, and um, fertilising of crops. So we, we like a nice long, wet, wet season, and we've had quite a few dry seasons in a row. Um, last year was good, but it stopped too soon, so it's nice to have this longer, slower wet season. And so since this Munglin Road Bridge has been raised, how often are you having to use the boat to get to school or work? Uh, this is only our second day this year, and I think last year we only used it uh, a few days. So it's um, it's much, much uh, less yep. often um, than it used to be. The seven-metre bridge that we used to have, uh, well, the bridge used to go under when the Catherine hit seven, that was, uh, you had to park the cars across every night, so even if you weren't boating, it was a major hassle to, 
to get yourselves back and forward to your motor cars unless you just walked. Um, but now it's only only a few, a couple of times a year, which makes it a lot, lot easier to live with. What was a regular wet season in the past? How often would you be stuck on the other side? It could be weeks at a time. Um, like John said, it was the frustration of always having our cars parked on the other side and the risk of crime um, because our cars were unattended, Whereas, uh, because it could come up overnight without warning, whereas to now we have some warning that it's going to go over and we can park our cars just a couple of nights before the bridge goes up and still feel safe. But... Yeah, it was just the hassle of it being up and down and up and down, whereas now we know what's going to happen with a bit more certainty. And is the current ever too strong here that you can't get the boat across? It, it does happen when we get a lot of local rain just to the north of us, and on this uh, light creek, the water comes down there uh, yeah, quite fast. At the moment, it's all backed up from the Catherine River, so it's just stagnant. But we have had it where um, Steph wouldn't be going to take the boat across by herself with the kids in there. And uh, we were washed down stream one day and had to wait our way to for sure and yeah and if it's uh if it is like that nowadays then we'll just yeah, jump on the chopper and fly them instead that's certainly the perk of owning a, a helicopter business yeah absolutely has that been the case this year at all with the current of the river uh so it wasn't the current of the river that made us fly across this year we woke up yesterday morning to a flooded bridge and um we couldn't find the keys for the boat we're not entirely sure if they're not in the ute halfway to Queensland at the moment. So we flew across and luckily later that afternoon we found the spare key. So we're boating again. I oh know. So you hadn't used the boat in a while? Or? No, we hadn't used the boat since the end of last year when we had taken it out as a family on the, on the river. So uh, we hadn't used the boat for the river crossing this wet season and we just woke up and, and realised we needed it and didn't know where anything was. The kids must have been pretty chuffed to be able to fly over instead. We um, had told them we were boating and they got excited about that. So one of them thought it was hilarious that we flew due to the keys being lost. And the other one just got sad we weren't boating because we have been so long since we've been out in the boat. Sad you weren't boating to fly across instead. Wow, wow. They are a little bit spoiled because we own the business and we have the choppers. We don't go up very often, but they do go up enough that it's not really a novelty to go in the chopper anymore. But the boat is for some reason. I'm sure they still would have been able to brag about it at school. Oh, absolutely. They were, uh, the eldest one was um, looking forward to telling all the kids how mum and dad forgot the keys and we had to fly. We uh, have a photo of them in there with their headsets doing a big thumbs up so that they can uh, take the photo in for show and tell. Yeah, no one would believe them, surely. <laughs> yep, yep, we get a lot of people going, oh my goodness, you flew to school? Really? That is John and Stephanie Armstrong speaking to Max Rowley. If it is pouring down at your place this afternoon, let the rest of us know. We love your weather reports, our text number 0487991057. Some of the big rainfall totals in the last 24 hours includes 111 millimetres at Conway's Cattle Station, 104 at Mataranka Station. Gary Riggs at Lakefields had another 91 in the gauge as of this morning. Tarley Station on the Sturt Plateau, 83. I think I saw Avago Station reporting... 10 inches in the last five days. Unreal.
As I said, the Catherine River's sitting at about 14 metres as we go to air this afternoon. One of the many locals keeping a close eye on things is Brian Hill, who runs the Mambaloo Homestead Caravan Park on the banks of the Catherine River. I'd like to, to thank the people that had the foresight to put those gauging stations upriver from the gorge and uh, and have them on the internet because that's the big thing. I mean, I'm not terribly worried at the moment, but when you don't know, like in 1998, we didn't know what was going to happen. This place had never been flooded before in Whitefella history anyway. And so we were, didn't know what was going to happen. We thought, well, we're pretty safe. But it just came up overnight and caught us all sort of um, offhand. But now we know exactly what's going to happen. And, and in our flood action plan, I've got an action for every increment. It goes up at the bridge or at the gorge. Uh, I know what I should be doing here. And we can plan accordingly, which is really good to have that. What's it like to see all this rain for you? How's it looking there at the homestead? Oh, look, it's terrific. Um, we've, we've got cattle here as well, and they're all fat and shiny. And we've just had terrific rain, really. It's been sort of light rain and a fair bit of it. And um, it would just keep the grass growing all the time. We had a, a good... Um, bit of rain every day every um week we'd have sort of 20 mils or something like that for the last couple of months so it's been really good the, the grass has really grown well and so um the cattle are doing extremely well that is brian hill from the mambaloo homestead on the catherine river speaking there to max Rowley. i mentioned there's quite a few road closures in the region because of all of this wet wet weather I can tell you that the Gorge Road near Catherine, it's closed at Maud Creek. Central Arnhem Road closed at Beswick. The Roper Highway I've got here is impassable with flooding at various sections. In the VRD, the Buchanan Highway is closed at Dashwood Crossing. Tenamai Road's closed between Greenwich Mine and the WA border. Keep up to date via the Roads NT website. Yeah, so the Waterhouse River is well and truly pumping. And that's why the Central Arnhem Road is closed there at Beswick. We're joined this afternoon by freelance photographer Matt Abbott, who was trying to drive from Remingenin to Catherine yesterday, but I assume, Matt, you've got as far as Beswick. Uh, g'day, Matt. Yeah, just, um, yeah, we made it to Beswick. We got so close, but unfortunately... Uh, yeah, just this big river here has come up, so um, we're completely stuck. I'm told you're within sight of that Waterhouse River right now. Tell us all how it's looking. <laughs> I said, mate, yeah. Well, we got down there this morning to suss it out. Um, and we could get close. We could see that the bridge was completely, um, you know, submerged and covered. Um, but right now I'm just having a look and we can't even get close. It's becoming sort of a, like a flood situation. Um, yeah, I'm probably standing about... 600 metres from the bridge, and it's uh, the water's right up on, on the road there. So, um, it's yeah, it's really spilling out now. Wow. Now, you drove out of Remingenin yesterday. Tell us about the drive. Yes, uh, quite an adventure. Um, yeah, look, we were, you know, working out there, and um, we, we, we knew we had to go. You know, it just, it just, the rain really set in, and 
um, it was already tough getting here to, uh, the, the first time around, you know, on Monday. Um, so, yeah, the drive out yesterday was pretty, pretty rough. Um, pretty much, you know, you know, big flooded, you know, washed out sections. And there's parts of the road that were completely um, sort of underwater, like a lake, I guess. Um, and then that top road between Ramo and, and um, you know, the Nullumboy Road, that, yeah, that was just like in and out of, um, you know, puddles the whole way through, you know, basically completely submerged, yeah. Many people on the road? Uh, well, we had um, the rangers. Um, so Azraq Rangers gave us um, a bit of a lift out there. Well, they, they um, escorted us out there just to make sure we got halfway. And um, so that was really grateful for, the, for their help. And we passed one car that was, that was bogged. Um, but, yeah, no one else on the road that we saw. A um, couple, you know, on the way through Baldwin we saw. But, um, yeah, people definitely uh, trying to keep off the road, I think. So what's the plan, Matt? You're there at Beswick? It's, it's, yeah. it's a wet <laughs> forecast ahead. What are you going to do? Oh, it's a bit of a, yeah, we're in a bit of a pickle because um, we've got, we got the high car, you know, so it's going to be a bit <laughs> tricky. Um, but uh, the, the latest plan, it's, it's always changing, but the plan at the moment is to, um, yeah, basically ditch the car and uh, there's a helicopter coming. Um, yeah, the, the NAH actually, they, they, they hooked us up. Um, they were coming out here um, anyway. Um, and Kevin from NAH, he's uh, basically... Um, yeah, he's, he's taking the, the bigger chopper, so we're, we're going to jump on and, and uh, this afternoon, it looks like. So, so we're, uh, we're in luck, and Gee. now we've just got to figure out how to get back from, um, from Catherine to Darwin. So I don't know if any of your listeners are driving up that way, but we might be, uh, <laughs> Jeez, we that, might be hitchhiking. The helicopter ride sounds okay. You'll be able to take a few nice photos fr- from there. I just hope the, uh, the hire car uh, company is not listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, they've been pretty good. They've been pretty good, to be honest. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and um, you know we, we you know we looked after the car and not, we're not going through any any sort of flooded areas so uh, yeah all good. Yeah. The wet season makes for exciting times. Uh, safe travels this afternoon, Matt, and thanks for being our correspondent. No worries, Matt. It's been a pleasure. Have all a good best. one. This week on Landline, celebrating diversity among Australia's farmers. I was always given the support and the love from the people around me. I never for once thought that anyone was going to reject me and the forestry foresight of some landholders in southwest Victoria. But I really like this idea that productive forestry could also be a land care solution. That's Landline, Sunday 12.30 on ABC TV and streaming on ABC iView. It is a quarter to one and you are tuned into the Country Hour. Have you heard about this? A freight train partially derailed about 60 k's to the south of Tennant Creek yesterday. I'm joined in the studio by Dan Fitzgerald. What's the latest information here, Dan? Yeah, so rail operator Horizon says that five wagons of a freight train came off the track on Thursday morning. Uh, there were no injuries or hazardous materials reported on board. Um, Horizon said the line remains blocked today. Um, more than 24 hours after the incident, but there are crews on the scene working there to get it back all up and running. Um, The Department of Infrastructure um, says the line was expected to be repaired and opened by Monday evening pending weather and access. Um, Okay. Yeah, so really does depend on on the weather there. Um, They go on to say that uh, from the Department of Infrastructure, Territorians are advised there's no need for panic buying or the like. Um, There's not expected to result in any major disruptions to freight shipments um, as a result of this incident. 
Um, and Horizon says it's working with its customers to reroute freight and minimise that disruption. Okay, thank you very much, Dan. On the text, 0487991057. We love your weather reports. And I've got one here from Haggis out Noonamar Way. He says, mate, got 114 mils yesterday. That makes 172 for the last three days. Fly Creek is Pumping once again, says Haggis. If it's pouring at your place this afternoon, let the rest of us know. We love it. We love the rain chat. 0487 991057. Up next, you'll be hearing from the NT Seafood Council. This week, it has launched its sustainability strategy. What's that all about? What does it look like? What does it involve? We'll find out. But first, here's a tune. It was requested earlier by someone listening to the ABC. The morning's program ran out of time to play it, but we'll give it a spin on the country hour. This is the Trogs. It is 11 to 1 here on the Country Hour. The Northern Territory's seafood industry has this week launched its sustainability strategy. Catherine Winchester is the Chief Executive of the NT Seafood Council. Catherine, is it easy to explain to us what this is? Well, it is a document, um, but it's a document that a lot of work has gone into um, over a couple of years, actually. We, we surveyed the general public, fishermen, scientists, government, non-government people, Indigenous um, people, land councils, um, to understand what their key issues were. Um, we held workshops, um, we held risk assessment processes, we um, basically did a lot of talking, a lot of listening, um, prioritisation to, to old land in a document, um, which is only 23 pages long, but it's actually quite a lot of work over a number of years to, to have a document that articulates where we want to head as an industry and what are the things that are important to us as an industry to keep our eye on. Where is the biggest change needed for the seafood sector? For me, the biggest change um, is just building that capacity of the people within our industry. So continuing, continuing to invest, um, focusing um, our time and energy on how do we build the people within our industry um, to keep their finger on the pulse, um, to do different things. For example, like we had the um, commercial barramundi fishers heading out there with scientists to do the tagging and genetic research. How do we build on that? How can we build that capacity so that fishermen can also do some of the scientific jobs while they're out there? They're already out there. So the, the cost savings, if we can build their capacity to do um, things like collections without the scientists, um, little things like that go a really, really long way to help... Um, build our understanding um, and address the challenges um, that our industry faces with regards to things like climate change, interactions with protected species. Um, there's just so many different elements. So, Because being sustainable, I would have thought for any business, any industry, that's just a given, isn't it? Do you really need to spend time on a document? It is a given, but how you get there, there's lots of ways to get there. So the, the document's really focusing our uh, attention into particular areas and sustainability isn't just about uh, the environmental sustainability side of things it's also the people the workforce um, there's a whole raft of different things so 
It's also educating people. Some people don't, you know, don't want to change and the way we do things 20 years ago is fine today. That, that's not the case. So this document's also part of that education to um, help people understand what those um, challenges are. Like we did a literature review as part of this project and, um, you know, seeing what's happening around the world, uh, looking at those trends, making sure we've got best practice in place always. It's not something that you just do and then it's done. Like it's, it, it's continuing to focus on that area, keeping your finger on the pulse of what's important. Mm. For example, in our online survey, commercial fishers um, ranked uh, access to fishing grounds as their number one concern, but issues regarding to bycatch and threatened species is really low. But everyone else in the survey rated um, interactions with threatened species and bycatch is really high. So understanding that there's different perceptions and then what do you need to do to address those um, is really important. The sustainability strategy is up on the NT Seafood Council's website if people want to go and check it out for themselves. Just before I let you go, Catherine Winchester, on this very wet Friday afternoon, it is raining, rivers are up. What does this mean for fishos? This is great news for fishos. It means that um, rivers are being flushed, water and nutrients is, is heading out there. Um, we know that really good wet seasons is um, very much needed for our barramundi mud crab and prawn um, fisheries. So um, let's have some more rain. I'm so excited it's raining today. I just want it to keep, keep going and I'm hoping it's falling in the right places too because where it lands is also very important. So um, keep it up, I say. And one final thing, there was an earthquake in the Banda Sea this morning there was one the other day i saw on social media recently a commercial fisher saying that the catch was affected when there was an earthquake out there Mm. in the high seas is that true is that fair dinkum i think it would be i haven't seen what you're talking about but i do know many years ago um when we've had discussions with seismic um testing and the vibrations that that causes and and the the changes on catchability of fish when seismic testing goes through an area and when we were looking at data like that things like earthquakes were also factored into their impact on the catchability of fish so i guess for anything life is normal when things aren't you know shaking or vibrating Mm. the fish would just happily get on with their business and um, obviously you know those kind of disruptions to their environment does affect their behavior or spook them or um, make them be a little bit more shy so i'm assuming what you would have read was that the catches went down not up but yeah that's right yeah Mm. i haven't seen what you you saw (laughs) i'll let you be thank you for your time today no thanks so much matt today i'm steve Beatty from road trains of australia yeah, I've been working for RTA as a truck driver and in management since 1987. Yeah, and when I'm out on the road in the truck or in my car, I tune into the country hour. Matt Brown with you this afternoon. In a moment, you'll hear from a banana farmer who is trucking fruit thousands and thousands and thousands of kilometres to get to customers. He reckons it's the longest freight route ever in Australia. And feral pigs around Adelaide River. It's making national headlines today. By the time you get your gun out and your spotties and everything, they're gone. And they don't wait for you. They're gone. And they'll run down the fence line, cross the paddock, back into the river where you can't get them. Plenty on in this second half of the country hour. 
If you missed our first half, well, you missed a lot. We had a chat to Matt Abbott, who was stuck at Beswick. The Waterhouse River is up. The central Arnhem Road is closed. And this was his description of the Waterhouse River. Well, we got down there this morning to suss it out. Um, and we could get close. We could see that the bridge was completely um, you know, submerged and covered. Uh, but right now, I'm just having a look, and we can't even get close. It's becoming sort of a, like a flood situation. Um, yeah, I'm probably standing about 600 metres from the bridge, and it's uh, the water's right up on, on the road there. Yeah, Matt Abbott there at Beswick giving us a first-hand account of how things are looking there at the Waterhouse River. Uh, let's go to the Weather Bureau now. Sally Cutter is there. Sally, uh, a warning's just been issued on the Waterhouse River. What can you tell us? Yes, we went through... The Waterhouse River is at Beswick's now reached the minor flood level. Went through this morning and we're expecting to see continued rises at Beswick and we could see it reaching moderate at, at late this afternoon. So it's, it's just a, indicative of the very big rainfall totals we had through that area. We had so whilst the Catherine River didn't have very big rainfall totals, if you just sort of go across the watershed into the the Roper River, we, there were actually some fairly significant falls through there. We had Cave Creek Station had 124 millimetres, Conway's 111. The so there were some pretty big falls in there, and the even to the slightly to better bridge itself had 63 millimetres and all of that has just contributed to the, the rainfall going through that area whereas sort of the Catherine was, had, had much smaller totals generally to sort of around the, the 15 to 25 millimetres which that whilst there's still minor flooding up at Nipnook Centre we're not in the short term we're not expecting to see any flooding at in, actually in Catherine Town itself. Okay and just looking at the moderate flood warning in place for the Waterhouse River, it talks about daily rainfall totals of 20 to 50 millimetres are likely and 80 to 120 are possible for the next few days. Yep. Is that a similar yep. forecast for many other parts of uh, the top end of the Territory? Yeah, there's quite extensive areas right across the, the top end. As we go through the week, we, we see those falls maintained. The heavier falls initially will be over the daily district, but as we get into Monday, the trough is extending to just south of the top end, and we could see those heavy falls extend along the trough so to, into the Carpentaria district. So it's, it's certainly we, we're not going to see any res, much respite from those heavy falls for for the next few days at least. And for those living in Catherine, what can you tell them about the mighty Catherine River? Uh, at this stage, the flooding, we're not expecting the, the town to see minor, but the, we are just keeping a close eye on the situation because it really depends exactly where the rain falls. If you we get another, if you get the falls like we got in the Borderhouse catchment in the Catherine catchment, they'll they'll change what we're looking at. We could see the rivers come up again. The, I think the thing to remember is the grounds are really saturated at the moment, so practically all all the water that falls out of the sky is going to run off into the rivers. So even if they don't not sort of flooding, they're still going to be coming up and down as the the rain runs in, and then it gets sort of goes down the river. So just just keep an eye, an ear out, and an eye out for 
any warnings we do put out. We do also have a generalised flood watch for much of the top end. Mm-hmm. The, and that's because we, we don't issue warning for all the rivers in the top end. No, well, the list but, of catchments likely to be affected is quite a long list. <laughs> I think it's safe to say yes, if you're yeah. in the top end, just be aware. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just be aware. And the, it's, the we, we've, we've got warnings out for the Roper. We do. We haven't got any out for the Victoria River. We've got one for the 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 Daly and and the Catherines. And so just just, just be aware that so if, if the rivers do come up. To, it's, and if there's any rain, it could leave those rivers rising. And if if it's across the roads, so just don't don't bother. Yes. Just forget about it. Sally got a text here from our audience. Someone asking, "Is our friend the MJO back? So the Madden Julian Oscillation?" <laughs> oh, I don't actually know, but we were we was going past. We got all these other waves going left, right, and centre. So. I haven't got that one up in front of me, so I can't say. But it's it's it does it, it is the sort of conditions where we do see the the sort of MJOs is one thing we do look at for these monsoon bursts. So it's uh, it, it is. I'm, I'm I'm trying to talk. Long I can enough hear you find. madly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not the MJOs out in the Western Pacific. Right. So, so all yeah, of this so is, is happening problem. without its influence. Yep. The, we do have other things like the equatorial Rosby waves, which do help. The, there's one that's just going past us at the moment, or just gone past us at the moment, so that's probably kicked things off. Yep. And so, um, I'm, yeah. a, I'm a little bit of an MJO nerd. Am I right in <laughs> saying that it is due back in uh, our part of the world around the middle of March? Does that sound a bit yeah, right? Yeah, it, it takes... Yeah, take about thirty sixty days. Uh, there's obviously different ways of sort of looking at it because if you, so we, we've also got this little an, animation. So you got the phase space, which sort of is a is a dot, and that puts it over to towards the date line. But the the map with all that you can sort of on the, on our website where you you can see the track to look at the waves moving through. It's is in our area, so there's there's obviously it depends which window of, sort of how far north and south you take it. Yeah. But there is there there is a also there's another MJO signal around us at the moment. So if if you take that one as the current one, it, it could be so yeah, late March before the next one turns up. Mm, okay, thank you for your time this afternoon, Sally. <laughs> That's okay. Hi, I'm Annie Harvey at the Bonning Yards, just south of Alice Springs. Just waiting for some more road trains. You're listening to the Country Hour. It's 13 past one. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but at this stage, it would seem that 2023 has delivered good rain to cattle producers right across the Territory. I mean, has anyone missed out? Matt McCarthy and his wife, Anita, they run Sterling Station between Tennant Creek and Alice Springs. They're over the moon with how their season is shaping up. Victoria Ellis jumped in the ute with Matt to check out the property, which has received about 450 millimetres since Christmas. Oh, as you can see, uh, Tori, the feed is just magnificent, you know. It's, um, it's everywhere, so it's a very good, very good season as far as... Um, looking forward for the cattle industry, you know, for good feed for the cattle, so, which is a, a major bonus, of course. 
And has the rain so far posed any challenges in terms of like flooding or it being too wet or making it hard to catch cattle? Um, I tend to not even bother to try and chase the cattle around when it's been wet like this. It's just pointless that that's spread out. They've, they're not having to go back to designated water points. They're, they've spread out everywhere in little lots, and uh, which is fine. They're doing their thing. They're you know breeding. Calves are getting bigger, so I'm not too worried. Uh, we're going to have to have a you know a, a period of, of just no rain and dry for it to for the surface water to come back to a position where you can actually get into your cattle and and muster them without it being a huge job you know and how long will this green last when will it dry out um look what could happen here depends on um depends on the heat like if uh if if it starts to cool off in the next month or five weeks um this green could take quite some time to what you call hay off um but yes if we get a month or six weeks of 40 degrees then it'll turn of course it'll turn to where, where it'll burn so that's also another issue in the back of my mind that this this is always nice to see all this feed Tori but when it does dry off it's one spark so it's a bit, a bit hard to control um, yeah it's happened before um, years ago 2011-12 very big fires and lost a lot of country so it's um, there's not a lot you can do about that it's just it's the season you've just got to wear with it and should we get out and have a look and walk through? Yeah. That's pretty high. That's up to my hips, basically. Yes. Yep. Um, in places it'll be, it, it will be higher. Um, but, yeah, it's you know, a good stand of feed. Some patches are probably the ground doesn't lend to to uh, growing this type of grass could be a lot sandier or um, spinifex country which won't have feed like this but it'll still that country will have good feed after the rain um, its own natural feeds maybe would be what I would call good good seasons for that up there but um, that's more to the north of course further north you go so it gets a little bit more um, arid a country so. and you were telling me earlier down the yards you've got some cattle going south can you tell me about those again yeah, they're just a um, handful of cattle, um, some that I've had uh, overflows um, from loads last year. But yeah, I've just been gathering small lots. They've actually been in a little paddock here around the yards here for about a month or six weeks, eight weeks before the rain. So I've just been picking a time that I can, can you know, get them on a truck and get going with them. But um, yeah, they're only a little odd, sod, odd mob, a few here, a few there. And do you reckon you'll set them down Monday, you were saying? Oh, maybe if I can get going next week, yeah, Monday. But that all depends. It all depends on um, so many things can change out here. Like, you know, um, someone might ring and there's a, something else on or a different job comes up and that's more important. So you have to be able to sort of say, well, that's going to get put on hold for a few days and off we go doing something else. So. And is there anything that you can predict, like anything else that you know is happening going on in the next few weeks? Um yeah, I'd, I'd say I'll be uh, into a little bit of floodways and fencing. I've stood off of that because um, if you go out and you fix your floodgates and then you get another couple of inches of rain in the flat and the water comes down and washes them all away again. So, you know, the ones along the road I sort of get onto pretty hard, but others out, out and about and other interior fences, they still need fixing. But I'd leave it until I think the water's 
sort of gone, the rain might sort of leave, go in the next... Could be We could get more rain. It could be more in the next month coming, you know. Um, but, yeah, look, it's you know, a good year, good season, fat cattle. I'm happy. I'm hoping, I'm hoping all the other pastures in the area are happy as well because it's, it's been a very um, widespread rain. It's been quite, you know, no one's sort of like, in my eyes that I've heard, no one's really missed out. So it's a good year if everyone sort of gets on the same, same amount of rain, similar, you know, and, and everyone's, uh, everyone seems to be happy, which is a great thing. Yeah, that's Matt McCarthy of Stirling Station speaking to Victoria Ellis. Big thanks to Matt and Anita for having the Country Hour at their place. Just looking at a few more rainfall figures that are coming in via social media. Tarley Station there on the Sturt Plateau, 83 millimetres in the gauge, 92 at Gorry, 68 millimetres at Margaret Downs, 91 at Lakefield, 54 at Bullo River, and 154 at Wadair. Is that right, Dan? That figure's correct. 154 being reported there at Wadair. Big rain. Big rain indeed. It is 19 past one on the country hour. Now, feral pigs, they are digging up lawns and causing all kinds of problems for the territory town of Adelaide River. The community's war against the boar is making national headlines today. Here's the ABC's Isabella Tolhurst. Feral pigs are slowly taking over this top-end town, one lawn at a time. Jackie Rickson's garden has been mangled by the pests. They used to stay at the back of her property, but they've started to move closer to home. We came back from our holidays and we had 15 crossing the driveway, so they've already hit our ground. They come every second night, tearing up her lawn. It's a problem that seems to have grown worse over recent years. This year's probably been more so than any other year that we've had. Um, we've had them right up to our house yard, right up to our gates at the shed. The pigs have threatened the historic war cemetery and ruined the showgrounds, forcing the town to cancel the beloved Adelaide River races last year. It's always disappointing for community to lose a lose out on a major event like um, the annual races. The race meeting is what keeps us alive down there regardless and it's the only grass track in the territory so it is pretty special. Fencing has been built inside the showgrounds around the race course to help keep the pigs at bay and with the races being Adelaide River's biggest fundraising event of the year the community are relying on the fences to work so the event can go ahead as planned. Back in town there's not much that Adelaide River residents feel they can do. By the time you get your gun out and your spotties and everything they're gone. And they don't wait for you. They're gone. And they'll run down the fence line, cross the paddock, back into the river where you can't get them. More fencing, hiding baits and shooting the pigs are all solutions that have been floated. But some feel it won't make a difference. They'll just keep breeding and keep coming back, bigger and better. A town that's stuck in the mud with no clear way out. Isabella Tolhurst, ABC News, Adelaide River. The feral pigs of Adelaide River making national headlines today. You can read more about the story up on the ABC Rural website. 21 past one here on the Country Hour. How do you truck fruit from one side of the continent to the other and keep it fresh? We will talk about this soon. But first, let's have a song. I played the trogs in the first half and someone has gone to the effort to text into the program and say, hey, where's the country music? I mean, I would say to that, hey, variety is the spice of life. But we do aim to please, so how about these two legends of country? Love, from one lover to another. 
Dolly and Kenny on a Friday lunchtime. This is the Country Hour. A banana grower in the far north of Queensland reckons his fruit are racking up thousands of kilometres via the longest freight haul in Australia ever. So from the Atherton Tablelands, down the east coast, over to Perth, and then up the west coast to the Kimberley town of Derby. It's a long way. What's the trick to getting them to stay fresh and arrive ripe? Lucy Cooper reports. It's not quite the same as walking 500 miles, but to get onto supermarket shelves, some bananas from one far north Queensland farm travel a whopping 6,880 kilometres across Australia. I headed out to James Houses farm in Walkerman in the Atherton Tablelands to find out where the massive road trip all kicks off. Yeah, welcome to our farming, Lucy. We're in the Walkerman in far north Queensland on the Atherton Tablelands. We're uh, standing in front of a bunch line carrying our freshly harvested bananas out of the paddock and then they're packed into 15 kilo cartons before they head out on the on the trucks to um, all down the east coast and uh, Western Australia is um, as far as Derby. So our, one of our main customers is um, Perth. Yeah, so we've got one of the largest um, uh, freight routes out of um, most people in Australia because once they hit Perth they then bounce up the west coast and um, it's nearly as quick to get to where they end up from where they started. To put the distance into context it would be the same as a meandering road trip through 16 European countries starting in Spain and finishing in Russia. In Australia, it's a little simpler, with bananas needing to make only one stop at a ripening facility before heading to their final destination. The product is harvested on farm and and sent to a packing facility. Most farms have their own packing facility, but there are some larger packing facilities. But it's sent in a green condition, so not something you could open the carton and eat the banana. The, The banana product has to go through a ripening process. And that has to happen at a central distribution point at a major centre such as Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, Perth, that sort of thing. Stephen Lowe, chair of the Banana Growers Council. He says in many cases, bananas often bypass their final destination. They must get to a ripening facility and sometimes that means they have to go past their final destination and then come back. So it's a very difficult product to get to the consumer in a perfect state. And it's not just the tyranny of distance bananas have to travel, but the condition in which they travel in. It's a very uh, fragile commodity once it's ripe and also in the green state. So all those transport miles, um, you know, condition of roads, number of unloads, loads, all adds to a difficult product to get to market in a um, perfect state. And unfortunately, if the consumer sees one little mark, they don't buy that and go to the next banana. So, yeah, very difficult. Despite the logistical issue of transporting bananas, they still get to our store in a pretty awesome condition. So good, in fact. Us Aussies love to consume about 5 million bananas every day, making them the top-selling supermarket product, outselling every supermarket line. For the bananas in question, to get from far north Queensland down to Perth and up to the Western Australian town of Derby, it's about two weeks of travel. It's a while, but spare a thought for non-banana growing places like Europe. Internationally, a lot of fruit into Europe 
comes from Central America, South America, and it will be on a ship for three, three and a half weeks before it gets to the distribution centers in, in Europe. I guess we're, we're better, better off than that, but um, it's, it's a difficult product to get to the consumer. Stephen Lowe, chair of the Banana Growers Council, speaking there to Lucy Cooper. Five million bananas every single day in Australia. My goodness. Now, just before I leave you, remember there's an initial minor flood warning in place for the Daly River, a minor flood warning for the Catherine, a moderate flood warning in place for the Waterhouse River and a flood watch in place for so many parts of the top end. Stay up to date via the Bureau's website and, of course, the ABC, your emergency broadcaster. Landline on your TV this Sunday at 12.30. There is a familiar Northern Territory face on it this week. Look out for him. And I'll catch you back here on Monday, hey? Keep it rural. <laughs>